When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've put in the miles. You've lifted the weights. But now what? The all-new MUSC Health and Wellness Institute in Mount Pleasant wants to elevate your game and kick up your performance. Learn how nutrition impacts your workouts with our registered dietitian nutritionist, Elaine. Through evidence-based science, she'll help you plan and achieve short and long-term goals. Schedule a free 15-minute virtual consultation today and learn more about MUSC's sports and wellness dietitian program. Call pound 250 from a mobile phone and say keywords health and wellness. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down. With their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing, they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system. Call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow. But you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500. AAA Heating and Air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new HVAC unit, but you have to call today. 803-677-1500. And tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 The Game's Gamecock Central Podcast. AAA Air when you need us. AAA Heating and Air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 into like the 210 range. Uh, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Game. 11 o'clock Wednesday morning. Welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson, West, Chris, Preston here with you. Shane Beamer had his press conference yesterday. Coordinators press conference today. Digging into Missouri. Now the most important game of the season for South Carolina. Wes and Chris. Oh, wait. We got you. Most important game of, the, of our lives. Not just of the year. This is the most important game ever. Absolutely. The most important game. Wes and Chris are fully expecting that. I mean, y'all have known me long enough to know that when I say stuff like that, it's normally tongue in cheek, but I'm totally buying into the coach speak (laughs) that this is really just an unbelievably important game for South Carolina. We'll get your thoughts on that. We'll start to dig into the matchup and talk about what we heard from Shane Beamer's assessment of the Missouri Tigers in just a minute. But the last chance on the extra point in this time slot for you guys to win money. It's time for your chance to win $100 and qualify for the $25,000 grand prize in our $25,000 signing bonus contest. Just text the following national keyword to 95819. Your national keyword to text is... Coin. C-O-I-N. We're ending on a good one, folks. Coin. Like popcorn. 
going to let that one hang into the ether. National keyword to 95819. Standard text messaging rates may apply. Please don't text and drive. The $25,000 signing bonus contest on 107.5 The Game. I, I say with, with a lot of confidence that no one here has seen the Big Les show. Or heard of it. No. It's a really weird, <laughs> surrealist, druggy Australian comedy that I think was mostly featured on YouTube that is hilarious. Popcorn? If anyone listening has ever seen The Big Les Show, please text right now. I just need to know that there are others of you out there. <laughs> text line is dry. <laughs> Phone is dry. Yeah. Nothing. 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 Okay. Um, Wes, is this the most important football game that South Carolina has played since 1892? <laughs> well, it is the next game. Right. So by default, it absolutely is. Right. Um, in all seriousness, it is pretty important. I mean, in, in some ways, like they have, they have put themselves in a position to where this game doesn't hold quite as much pressure for like the overall season, but also at the same time, you're looking at it like, I I think you went into these three games, and I'm I'm including, let's say A and M, Missouri, Vandy, and the fan side was saying, oh, there might be three wins there. Mm. Um, the realistic side probably says, if you get two out of three, that's pretty good considering how this season started, and you know, let's not get too overhyped over the Kentucky win. But once you win the first one, <laughs> and now you're favored over Missouri, it is a home game. They beat you last year when they really probably shouldn't have on paper, and they were one of the few teams you played last year that I feel like you could go into saying South Carolina had a really good chance to to win the game. Um, for all those reasons, it would just be such a feeling of letdown, I feel like, for the fan base to uh, if they lose this game. Chris is going to sleep over there with me. I talking thought Preston put his finger up. Sorry. No, I was agreeing. Was that, agreeing. Was, that, was, that was an amen. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's how I think about it. Sorry, were, were you? I, I had a point. Oh, well, then make okay. it. Make it. All right. Uh, sorry. I threw the rhythm all off. So here's what's at stake in this game. There's There's a lot. Not only can you get bowl eligible, that's obvious. You have other opportunities to do that. But... You have already gone back-to-back weeks with, like, these kind of cathartic wins where you're breaking these streaks. Kentucky, mm-hmm. you lost three in a row, two and seven of eight. Texas A&M, as we know, eight straight. Uh, Missouri, you've actually lost three straight, too. Okay, so you've got an opportunity to break another streak to a team that you should not have a three-game losing streak to, but you'd ever, ever. So you can break that. You can get bowl eligible. You can break three streaks and back-to-back-to-back weeks, which is another confidence boost, get bowl eligible while you're doing it, you can uh, win three conference games in a row for the first time since 2017, and you can win five straight games overall for the first time since 2013. So that's a lot. That's a lot packed into one week. Right. And I think that's... Ample motivation. Shane Beamer's done a good job, I think, of motivating this team. But the the probably good thing about it is you can actually point to this Missouri team as we watch them 
playing Georgia on the screen here in the in the uh, studio. This is a team that has found ways to lose games, I think you could say, but they play a lot of very tight games, and their defense is very salty. So it's not like you're playing, you know, a pushover to try to accomplish all these things. So it, it might even be a blessing that Shane Beamer can point to this team and say, if we don't play well, we are not going to win. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that is, that's very true. This team has not earned the benefit of the doubt in that respect. Wes, because uh, I know Chris is an avid listener, so he probably heard me say this earlier. Wes, when was the last time Carolina beat Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt in the same season? 2017. Incorrect. Terry's messing with my screen over here, so I can't give you the wrong answer, buzzer. 2013. It has been almost 10 years wow. since South Carolina has beaten all three of those teams in the same season. Well, and um, the, the interesting thing about those teams is I, I think those are the ones you sort of point to. Sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and talk about, obviously, the Floridas and now Tennessee's, Georgia's, but um, the key to setting yourself up for a good season mm-hmm. is to take care of business right. against those teams. Well, and, and I, you know, beating them all in one year exactly. is a actually – a massive accomplishment because if it happens, because we we tend to look at the games as like, you know, if you look at them as one game seasons, like, yeah, you most years, Carolina fans, right or wrong, expect to beat those teams. But then when you put it like a percentage, the chances of beating all three mm. in the same year, um, frankly, the way South Carolina has been as a program since Spurrier left, um, you know, it, it hasn't happened. That's part of the reason they've uh, not been where they want to be. What's important there to me is that every year since 2013, the last year that South Carolina beat all three of those teams in the same season, probably every South Carolina fan would have been like, oh, yeah, you're a better football program than Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah, you're a better football program than Missouri. Oh, yeah, you're a better football program than Kentucky. You should be Kentucky. Like the feeling for the last 10 years, despite not being able to get that trifecta in almost a decade, is that you're still better positioned than all of those teams. And for the first time in almost a decade, you now have an opportunity to do that. Now, again, you got to beat Missouri before you can even think about going to Nashville and beating Vanderbilt. So there's still, the, like, the, the two games are on the table, but like you said, Wes, you've won the hard one. Yeah, and uh, my guess was terrible. That was just a random number because Chris <laughs> had told me that. But I was just sitting here thinking, any date works for beating Vandy. Yeah, but uh, the Kentucky game would be the one that completely throws it yeah. off. And, and Missouri, uh, Carolina, I was trying to remember, Carolina and Missouri are 500 against each other, but is that all time or just since they joined the SEC? I, I don't know, man, but it, it has been, been back and forth. It's been very even mm-hmm. um, since the two teams joined, I, I feel like. It is 7-5 to five Missouri. Oh, okay. Chris, yep. you missed a streak. This is the second week in a row that we can win a trophy. Ah, uh, oh wow! Uh, because no Kentucky trophy, no Kentucky trophy. Has Sun anybody seen one? the Bonham Trophy? The I saw a trophy. picture of it. I think Porter yeah, tweeted it out. Maybe. Okay, but well, we won the Bonham Trophy, so it exists. Did anybody know about the Bonham Trophy before last week? A and M did. Hush your mouth. <laughs> we won the trophy, <laughs> and now my favorite trophy, the Mayor's the Cup. The Mayor's mm-hmm. yep. on the line. It's a big deal. Cue the dramatic music. Big deal. Fill up the trophy case. <laughs> Fill them up. Well, this one doesn't fit. Oh, well, we just have to keep it here because it travels, I believe. Yeah. Yes. You can still put it in the case for the for the year, right? For just say this is the spot. You can't, you can't lock it. Mayor's Cup goes here. This is the first time the bottom trophy traveled, though, right? Because previously uh, it was just yeah. in Dallas or whatever. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, here's the measure of how important this game is. 
for the first time since fill in the blank. If Carolina beats Missouri, it is a significant win, but it's not a big deal. As in Preston and I were talking earlier, if Carolina's up by 13 points halfway through the fourth quarter, there will probably be some people that decide they want to go watch Tennessee and Kentucky or will at least start watching on their phone. You know, like if, if Carolina beats Missouri, it's not going to be the celebration in Columbia like it was Saturday night when they beat Texas A&M. If they lose, I think the fans will perceive the loss as being fairly catastrophic. And I don't know, like in the last couple of years, if Carolina won almost any game against any SEC team, it's like, that's a great win. And there wasn't really any loss that felt devastating. Maybe Vanderbilt last year would have been. You could make that argument. But it feels like maybe since that Vanderbilt game, there hasn't been a a game with stakes sort of oriented that way. And I think that is I think that's telling for where this team is midway through the season. I, I would say to a lesser extent, losing to Missouri last year. Um it, it was it was not well received mm-hmm. because Carolina had just if I remember the order, they had just beaten Florida. And if you were doing the math, yeah. you know, there was a point last year where you were just like, can they find a way to get to a bowl? And you started counting possible wins, and there was a time when the answer was probably not. And then they beat Florida, and then you're saying, oh, Missouri's the most winnable game left on the schedule. Um, you know, go go beat them, and, and you're in. And then they, they ended up having to beat Auburn to, to get there, obviously. But, uh, you know, I, I think it would be being at home and just the energy from the fan base right now. Um, this one would hurt, but you also you look at it realistically and this is a Missouri team that just has an incredible ability to get itself into close games. And so there's probably going to be fans upset throughout the game. They're probably going to be upset with the offense again because this is a defense that just holds teams down. It's a very it's a, such a weird team. Um, seventeen to fourteen over Vanderbilt. Um, I felt so bad for Dave Neal having to call this game, but twenty four seventeen lost to Florida. Twenty six twenty two lost to Georgia, a game that they led and kind of controlled at one point. Um, one of the most heartbreaking losses I've ever seen to Auburn, seventeen to fourteen, where you think you're going in to win the game in OT. And then they, they beat uh, Abilene Christian 34-17. to um, And they lost to Kansas State 40-12, to which is such a weird outlier um, considering how close the other game. They're not a good team, mm-hmm. but they have a way of just hanging around. And um, I feel like that's going to make for a very nervous energy in the stadium on Saturday because – these fans have gotten used to winning a little bit all of a sudden, and mm-hmm. they're starting to dream a little bit. Yeah. So, as they should, as they should. You know, eight wins now is is very well within South Carolina's sights, and that's I think a far cry from where most fans thought this team would be uh, just a couple of months ago. I want to come back to that though. The, the idea of close games. You're right, Wes. They're not a very good team. But what do we do with the close games? What information can we learn about this Missouri team? Does it mean something? Does it mean nothing? I think we're digging into the competition as well. 803-404-6100. Love Chevy phone line, text line. However you want to be a part of the show, you can get us there. And you can get all of us on Twitter as well. At Pearson Fowler, at Coach P Tweets, at Wes Mitchell GC, and at GC Chris Clark. 
It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 21 minutes after 11 o'clock Wednesday morning. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, Wes, Chris here with you. I'm just trying really hard not to do an Australian accent right now. It's so fun. Chris, what's your best accent? Oh. Um, hey, Chris, Chris uh, I'll, I'll answer for him. Okay. Chris doesn't uh, necessarily do accents, but if you uh, if you get him off the air, he actually has some pretty good impressions yeah. of random people. Well, he, he slips into those like pretty fluidly in converse. Like he's talking about a coach or somebody, and all yeah. of a sudden, a lot of times like it is coaches. Yeah, I have yeah. some coach ones that are decent. Um, just trying to get more of like the mannerisms and cadences. So I don't know if I have an actual like I I thought I have like a decent British accent, but it's probably not good. Can we hear it? No. You want to try it out, Preston? It out you got any break. good accents for us? Don't I don't specialize in accents, Wes? No, I'm I'm boring on that. I'll okay. fully admit. Right. I, I think mine are mostly domestic. <laughs> it, you got and, a Spartanburg accent. You got a Horry like, County accent. Like I've tried, accent. I've tried. It's mostly just people, you know. So like I do have some coaches. I've tried a Lou Holtz. Preston's never given a review, which makes me think it's probably not good. <laughs> well, you know, I've heard, I've heard the goats. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably doesn't measure. There right. are some good um, ones out there. Who's the goat? Courtney, Eric, someone we don't even know. That does shocking. One? Courtney's shockingly R.I.P. Phil Phil Petty had a Phil really, Petty had a great really oh, strong man, one. If I heard his, he had a really strong one. I would say if we go in power rankings, we go probably Phil Courtney Eric. Okay, and then Eric's <laughs> Eric's Brad Lawing, pretty good. <laughs> oh my god, can you do a Brad Lawing? Might, we might not be able to do the Brad Long on the air. Yeah, I was going to say, a, a, a lot of the Brad is the material. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't think, <laughs> I can't do it. Not replicable um, content. Yeah. That's fair. All right, very good. Well, um, that is awesome. Yeah. Popcoin. I just, y'all, y'all just Google Popcoin. I promise you will not be disappointed. Popcoin. Go watch the Big Les Show. I'm really sad that nobody texted me and knew what that was. <laughs> I, I need to talk about the Trooper Snipper with somebody. All right. Um, Wes, you said something I think very important about Missouri right before the break. They're not very good, but they play close games. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? And let me ask you by by asking you like this. They have played one-score games in all four of their SEC contests, but they've played one-score games against Auburn, against Florida, against Vanderbilt, and against Georgia. So three teams in the SEC that are not good. Florida's going to struggle to be bowl eligible. Vanderbilt's the worst team in the SEC. They've lost, what, 23 straight SEC games now? Is that right? A lot. Uh, and Auburn's obviously terrible, and they're trying to fire their head coach. So are we going to look back at the end of the season and feel like this was a Missouri team that, for whatever reason, just played close games? Or are we going to look back at the end of the season and be like, man, that Georgia game had no bearing on any of the realities that we know about the other teams? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean... The thing about the Georgia game that makes me think it's not just some outlier is that, you know, Missouri controlled a lot of that game. Like, they were up. They, um, you know, it was not a fluke that that game was close. Now, you know, could that have been just more about Georgia? Was that that Georgia had their off their off day, their off night on that given day? Possibly. Um, 
you know, I tend to think they are a team that just has a knack. I think if you if you play good enough defense, even if you're not good on offense, um, you can hang around against most teams. Now, um, you know, they, they haven't played Tennessee yet, who has what I, you know, I guess is probably the best offense, um, certainly in the East, uh, probably in the SEC. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if this is a defense that necessarily is going to keep every single team they play down to the extent that they're in the game, but um, it just feels to me like they don't have the playmakers to necessarily win these games, but they have a good enough defense to keep them in it. Um, you know, and it, it wouldn't surprise – the weird thing is it wouldn't surprise me if South Carolina won, you know, a 14-point game on, on Saturday and just kind of um, put their foot down and showed they were the better team. It also would not surprise me if um, this is a three-point game in the fourth quarter, you know, and uh, this is, and you kind of wonder, does Missouri have the chops um, to to win close games? I don't really count the Vanderbilt because they were just hanging on for dear life. Right. I feel like at the end of that game. So yeah, Preston, like the, the you you said it, I guess earlier in the nine o'clock hour, you were like the the what Shane Beamer said, the way he laid this out, they're they're just not a very good team. But is there is there something to be said, or are there teams? that just drag every game they play down into the mud? Because it feels like we kind of talk about Kentucky that way. Is, is Missouri what Kentucky usually is? Yeah, but they're not winning. Mm. And I just hate to keep falling back on the ultimate measuring stick, but it's everything after the they're not a very good team, it kind of doesn't matter. So, yes, they do play games close, but they haven't found a way to win enough of those games. Mm -hmm. And I haven't watched enough Missouri football to know why those games are close. Is it a matter of them sort of clawing their way back into the game and them being scrappy? Did they blow leads? I I honestly don't know. And so that would be I would need a little bit more context to figure out what this team is or if they're not what they're not. And that's the weird thing like to, to throw around like the whole identity thing about different teams like the way the way that Missouri has found ways to lose or get themselves mm-hmm. in close games, I don't know if there's been much consistency to it. Like the only consistent thing about this team is that they are good defensively. I mean, Wes alluded to that earlier. That has been pretty consistent. Kansas State, which has a really good offense, hung forty on them. Other than that, they're playing really well defensively. They have some guys. They're well coached. Um, offensively, I don't think Missouri's very good. I, I think South Carolina will have the advantage defensively against Missouri's offense. I think they'll have the advantage on special teams against Missouri's special teams. And then the question is, can South Carolina, you know, score enough points? Right. And so when it's something like that, it kind of goes to the whole turnover thing. So, like, you look at the Georgia game, Missouri, we would perceive this Missouri team a lot differently if they finished the Auburn game, even though Auburn's not good, mm-hmm. finish that game because you lost it twice, basically, and then finish the Georgia game, which they easily could have done. They had a false yeah. start on the goal line, had to kick a field goal. Yeah. Um, Georgia had two turnovers in that game. Last week, the reason that game's close, it was 17 nothing Missouri at halftime. They turned the ball over four times. Yeah, you know, so a scoop and score, a fumble on the plus side of the field, and then a missed field goal all in the second half for Missouri. Yeah, so they that that's been a, a critical part of things. Turnovers has been for South Carolina too at mm-hmm. times. Missouri, Auburn, Texas A and M. What among other things do those three teams have in common? Missouri, Auburn, and Texas A and M. Yes, 
I'm guessing those are the three worst offenses in the SEC. Yeah, statistically by uh, points per game, three worst offenses. Also, all three have head coaches that are quote-unquote offensive guys, offensive (laughs) coordinators, so uh, former offensive coordinators. And it's kind of weird how that sometimes happens. You can take it even further. Um, Next is Kentucky defensive guy, Vanderbilt defensive guy, but Florida is ninth new head coach, but – Still, um, offensive oriented guy. So it's it's kind of weird how uh, this Missouri team is built, and yeah. it seems like you see that. I don't want to say more often than not. That's probably not accurate. But how often do we see offensive guys um, struggle to put together offenses? Uh, much like Steve we saw, Courier. yeah, and much <laughs> like we saw Muschamp struggle at the end of his uh, mm-hmm. tenure here to put together a competent defense. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. It's funny, like, this. I was going to say this is the third game in a row where Carolina is playing a similar kind of team that struggles on offense, some inconsistent quarterback play, and you kind of hang your hat on defense. That's true about Kentucky. That was true about Texas A&M. That's true about Missouri. That's true about South Carolina. That's true about Florida. Like, the SEC just kind of reclaiming its uh, defense-first identity, I guess, a little bit this year. Uh, sort of, you know, the offense is not really keeping up, but... Uh, however you want to frame it. This is another similar kind of matchup for South Carolina. Um, I, I want to come back around to this Georgia game. The stats tell a, a very different story than the result does, and I, I'm just I'm, I'm left feeling pulled. But we'll continue to talk about Missouri uh, kind of in a big-picture sense. We'll, of course, get more into the specifics of the matchups tomorrow and Friday. But if you guys have any thoughts on Missouri, we'd love to hear from you in the text line or the Love Chevy phone line, and you can get all of us on Twitter as well, at Pearson Fowler, at Coach B Tweets, at West Mitchell GC, and at GC Chris Clark. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Eleven thirty-seven Wednesday morning, and welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, West, Chris here with you, talking Carolina, Missouri. Uh, really talking Missouri here, trying to figure out what the heck this team actually is. They are three and four. They won their first conference game against Vanderbilt. They've played a lot of close games against teams that aren't very good in Vanderbilt and Auburn. Against a team, honestly, I do think Florida is going to struggle with bowl eligibility. So maybe we can say Florida is not very good because of the Utah game. And then, what in the world do you do? With this Georgia game, they lost 26-22. to 22. They had every opportunity to win it, just couldn't get it over the finish line. Jonathan says it doesn't help that uh, that Georgia game was at Missouri, the strangest, sleepiest stadium in the SEC. I've always felt that way. That place just feels like a graveyard. It's got weird energy. I've never been, but it feels weird. Have, they, have either one of y'all ever been to that yeah. stadium? The, the one I went to, though, was when Missouri was Pretty good under Gary Pink was the 2013 Missouri-South Carolina game, the two-overtime game. And so that did get pretty riled up. But that was, what, two top ten teams, I think. Yeah. It's uh, something about the lighting. It seems just dark. It is darker. It's way darker. I think it's the black and yellow and then, like, just the way it is. It it is very dark in there. Yeah. Like, if you are in the SEC and you're going to Missouri, you're traveling a 1,000 miles, pretty much no matter where you're coming from. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was at that same game. It, it was a really good atmosphere that day. And they jumped all over South Carolina. Mm-hmm. They were on that stretch where, um, you know, they were competing and, and winning the East. So it's it's a little bit different now. Right. But I would put it, yeah, it's not the worst stadium because that's um, Vanderbilt. But 
it is a close second. Yeah, I well, I, I, don't, I don't even mean worse necessarily. It's just weird. It just feels like that the games played in Como always have a weird energy. And when you look at the box score, Georgia finished the game with 28 first downs, 481 total yards of offense, 312 yards through the air, 170 yards on the ground, just under five yards a clip. They only had five penalties. They had the ball for 35 minutes. And then one by four, Missouri, 14 first downs, three of 13 on third downs, 295 yards of offense, no turnovers, seven penalties, 66 yards. It's just a, you look at the box score and you think Georgia wins by 24. It's, it's, I only watched the end of that game. I guess I should go back and watch it and figure out what the heck happened. But that seems to be the singular confounding variable and how people feel about this Missouri team. Yeah, it's a big one. I think, you know, you probably don't take, if they had beaten Auburn, you don't really take much more away than knowing what we know about how that game went, which mm-hmm. is basically, I keep saying it, they lost it twice. Mm-hmm. They did. I mean, um, neither of those teams are very good. Auburn, Missouri, wouldn't wouldn't change my opinion either way. But I think when you look at, th- there are two things for me, really, and that is, um, A, the fact that they did keep it so close with Georgia. There's three. A, they kept it so close to Georgia. B, they do get themselves in close games against everybody. Bad teams, good teams, middle except of the pack Kansas teams. State. Except Kansas State. Yeah. That was the outlier. Um, and then third, number three, is their defense. Yeah. Is good. I mean, I test, statistically, their defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so that's concerning. Here's Shane Beamer, uh, just a, about a little less than a minute here on what specifically Missouri's defense does that will present a challenge to Carolina on Saturday. They're disruptive, and that's the biggest thing. They've got uh, the 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 two two defensive ends, really the whole defensive line. I mean, they have the ability to single handedly wreck a football game up front. And uh, I know one of them's from right here in Columbia, and and the thing that jumps out about them is starting up front, the defensive line, just the size and the length they have, and the ability to single handedly wreck your game plan. Um, they're really, really talented, and they caused us problems last year in Missouri as well. And then, you know, they're good at linebacker. They're good in the secondary. But, you know, the, I think just the scheme, they're not sit back and, and react to what you're doing. They're on the attack defensively from the time they take the field to the time the game's over, and that'll be a big challenge for our guys for sure. So I don't want to frame aggressive defenses as necessarily lacking discipline, but Preston, I've I've picked your brain a lot about this in the last couple of years. Basically, defenses and defensive lines that attack versus kind of read and react. And it sounds like Missouri's going to be a little more downhill, where Kentucky and Texas A&M were maybe trying to be a little more disciplined. Does, does one of those strike you as worse for South Carolina to have a, an aggressive defense as opposed to more of a read and react defense. Wow, that's an interesting question, um, which means I'm stalling for an answer. <laughs> I think maybe it might be beneficial for South Carolina to have a more aggressive defense, um, because that might free Sp- Spencer up to make less reads. There'd be more individual one-on-one coverage. Okay where he can sort of maybe use his arm to throw people open and maybe that might you might see a little bit more of the deep ball stuff where he doesn't have to read a coverage or make coverage-like decisions. Obviously, the flip side of that is he struggled under pressure, and if an aggressive defense brings pressure, he might be less likely to hang in the pocket. We'll right. see. But uh, I like Spencer 
with his arm against, you know, one-on-one coverages. Right. Well, this is the, this Carolina offense is towards the bottom of the SEC in negative plays anyway, so I think you can look at it two ways. It's like, this team has a lot of negative plays anyway, uh, and aggressive defense, like, they're still going to have negative. It's not like this is a team that plays very, cl- like, uh, you know, like Tennessee, of course, they're always ahead of the sticks. Introducing some chaos and some negative plays and some long third downs would be different for them. Carolina's kind of used to playing off schedule. Um, but the flip side of that is, you know, is this a play where half of Carolina's plays are negative plays because the defense is trying to force the issue so much? Couple quick stats. Uh, Colin Taylor from Gamecock Central today, since you mentioned third down in South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, last two games, Spencer Rattler on third down, 11 for 18. Averaging 9.8 yards an attempt, and six of his 11 completions have gone for at least 18 yards. <laughs> Pretty good stat. Yeah. Um, also, you know, we're talking about Missouri and South Carolina being aggressive against Missouri. We know that South Carolina is not afraid to blitz a lot, and we know that they've gotten after the quarterback the past two weeks against mm-hmm. some quarterbacks and some offensive lines that have had some struggles. Missouri went back and watched the, Missouri, the uh, Vandy game this morning. They struggled to block Vandy at times. Mm-hmm. Not sure I like their chances against the Gamecocks. Last week, 33 pressures against A&M for South Carolina. No sacks, but that included 11 hits and wow. 22 hurries. They doubled their amount of hurries from the Kentucky game. That's wild. Yeah. that might. I don't follow that every game. That feels like the biggest number I've ever seen in that stat. 33? Kentucky was 18 pressures, six sacks, just one hit. I guess you don't put a hit on a sack because obviously you're hitting the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And 11 hurries. So South Carolina, 33 pressures, zero sacks, 11 hits, and 22 hurries against A&M. They, they were hammering yeah. those dudes. Yeah. And let, let me say, I, I did. I was behind on getting through my rewatch. I completed it last night. Um, we got to re-throw some love at Tonka. Good grief. He's one he has quickly become one of those guys that um kind of it's almost like, oh man, that guy's lucky. He's always uh the ball always finds him, but you're just like it's because he's probably in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he he had the the recovery, I guess you call it, on the weirdest play I've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. on A and M. You the mean punt, punt return? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, I mean that was insane. <laughs> he had the tackle on the fate or the blocked uh PAT that actually would have been a massive play mm-hmm. if they would have returned it because it would have cut it to seven. Yeah. He goes out and makes a tackle. He was all over the field. He had a tip pass on tip a third pass. Down. He's just throwing his body at the quarterback. Um, Jordan Birch actually played maybe the best game I've seen him play looking back. Zach Pickens has been um, on fire the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And really, Zach Pickens timed the snap like three or four times in that game. It looked like he was in the back. It looked, it looked like it was going to be offsides, and he just nailed it. Yeah, and uh, th- there was one play by Tonka down, down near the goal line where he uh, he was playing inside, and he just split uh, two offensive linemen, um, maybe knew the snap count or what they were doing to, to snap the ball. And um, i trying to think who else. Gilbert Edmond. I mean, this, this guy's actually one of my favorite players to watch now uh, because he when he can pin his ears back, is I mean, he's a true bona fide pass rush guy, I feel like, and it's been fun when they've gotten some leads and, and they can kind of smell blood in the water. I don't know if Zach has media availability, but somebody, maybe Colin Taylor, needs to ask him what he was saying to those offensive linemen because he had an extended monologue of <laughs> speech that he was saying to them. I'm sure 
he wouldn't repeat it. He'd probably be too embarrassed to repeat it without his helmet in front of him. <laughs> but he was giving the blues to somebody, and it, 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 was, it was rightfully so. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that Kentucky game, it was like, wow, that's the best game Zach has played. Was it because Kentucky's offensive line wasn't good? Is he kind of putting it all together? Is having Tonka next to him freeing him up to do what he does best, like you suggested, Preston? Two games in a row, admittedly against two poor offensive lines, but you're going to see another relatively, like, you know, certainly in the bottom half of the SEC offensive line against Missouri. So he's... He's made the most of his opportunities, so I, it's, it's a, a well-deserved... How many times did Texas say and him pass the football? It had to be almost 50. Well, they, they ran 80 plays, so. Yeah, 47. 47 attempts. Wow. So but almost... 33 pressures on 47 attempts? Yeah, that and 20, is ridiculous. 22. But see, pressures, uh, there's some kind of metric where they're adding something together. So I guess more accurately, let's say 47 attempts you got 22 hurries mm-hmm. and 11 hits still, so that's what they add together yeah, i guess uh pressures are it's hurry plus, plus hit plus sack yep i haven't done a rewatch this is a just a hunch because texas a&m did a lot of that bootleg waggle type of motion mm. it might hint towards the dns jordan and gilbert being very disciplined staying at home and being able to get out there because a lot of times you get you try and sneak your quarterback out because the ends are undisciplined. I, that's just a hunch. Yeah, and I haven't rewatched, but I wouldn't. I would wonder if that's what contributed to so many of those hurries. Well, there were there were one or two, I think two off the top of my head, where Haynes King kept on an RPO or a little read option where they got Carolina. But by and large, I, I mean that was one of the things that we all talked about a lot last week: is can the edge players be disciplined for South Carolina to contain basically a chain? Um, and they, they did a pretty good job of that. The, the pressures, I, I think all the stats point towards a pretty comprehensively good performance for South Carolina defensively on Saturday. Uh, 803-404-6100. We'll have a few more thoughts here on Carolina and Missouri. Yeah, we'll keep talking about that. That's the next game. <laughs> if y'all want to weigh in, 803-404-6100 is how you do that. And the Love Chevy phone line and the text line. All of us are available for you on Twitter as well. At Pearson Fowler, Coach P Tweets, Wes Mitchell, GC, GC Chris Clark. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.53 Wednesday morning. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. A couple minutes left here before we make way for Jay and Terry and the Halftime Show. Um, big news out of South Carolina, not even specifically related to football, but the University of South Carolina has officially dropped of. Is anybody sad about this? Nope. No. Call in if you're sad. <laughs> yeah. Text <laughs> it if you're text. Sad. Uh, More people that are sad that Carolina's dropping of or more people that have watched an episode of the Big Les show? Um, Push. <laughs> zero for both. Zero. <laughs> yeah. No, maybe one. You and then whoever initially came up with the U of SC. Maybe, but they're but not also- sad. They, they're cashing that check. They're like, man, mm, yeah. didn't work. Oh, well. Bummer. <laughs> check still cleared. Yeah. Check cleared. Yeah, that, that person's like the Jimbo Fisher of marketing. <laughs> Just laughing all the way to the bank. Exactly. Um, hey, hey, one more big news. Yeah. Have y'all heard? It's rumor. Still unconfirmed. I hear it's going to be Firehouse Subs Friday again. What? Yep. We said if South Carolina won that Larry had to come back. Mm-hmm. So we have we, – we didn't even try to pin him down. We just we just broached it, and he 
graciously. He's going to come do buy or sell again, I think. More, uh, more big news, by the way. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. Oh, that's good. Um, Mr. Pete Limbo will be speaking uh, excellent. today. We are full of good news today. Yes. Um, that's really good. I'm very eager to hear from him. Uh, excited to have Larry back. Are you going to be here Friday? I am going to be in the building on oh, Friday. Preston's going to be in the building Place on Friday. I had to put you on the spot because I know you were sad to miss sandwiches last week. <laughs> so sad. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, there's probably still some left over. He brought a bunch. Yeah. So, um, All right. Tomorrow, we will start to dig more into the Carolina-Missouri matchups. Anything else you want to say from a big picture, though, looking at this game? Not a big picture, but just the feeling in the mm-hmm. town. Anecdotal, 100%. But I wear a Gamecock polo, I don't know, twice out of the week, especially when I'm traveling to different schools. Mm -hmm. And I would say the increase in people just giving me the thumbs up or the, you know, just uh, (laughs) what you think, what you think. Like (laughs) a lot of that around the town is, even around the state, you know, because I was in the low country yesterday. Yeah. And just a lot of general goodwill towards towards the program right now. People are having, people are having fun now. Again, that's purely anecdotal. But a lot of thumbs up and just you know, just a lot of a lot even, of even that looks. little look. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just, like you don't even have to say anything. They'll give you that little like mm-hmm. the head nod. Like mm-hmm. it's a lot more fun than it used to be. Yes. Now here's the key: don't lose to Missouri. <laughs> that's all you have to do. It's all, that's that's that simple, game. huh? Huh? That simple. Just that simple. Really, this is it. It doesn't feel like the stakes of a potential loss have been higher for Carolina in a while, which is great, as Preston likes to say. Uh, you you want to have, what'd you say, the privilege of pressure? Privilege of pressure. Yep. Carolina has a little bit of that now. Fortunately, they can, like, kind of, uh, I don't know, ease into it because it's not like Missouri are world beaters necessarily, but a tough matchup. We'll talk a little bit more about the specifics of why tomorrow, but that is all we have time for today. Appreciate you all listening. And for Wes, for Chris, for Preston, I am Pearson. Thank you so much for listening. The halftime show, uh, show is coming up next, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Gents, let's talk Halloween for a second. What is your favorite Halloween memory? One time I saw Nightmare Before Christmas performed live at the Hollywood Bowl. Walking with your kids. It felt so magical. And after they've got their candy and they walk away. So pure. The the dad inside the house is handing you a beer. My dad, when I get home, he would have me like empty out all the candy to make sure that it's safe. And it wasn't until I was about 35 that I realized, what the He was just eating my candy. Rude. What's your favorite Halloween costume? One year, I was Matthew McConaughey's character from Dazed and Confused. One year, I was like, I would like to be roadkill. The Halloween costume was a plastic smock and then a really scratchy plastic mask. I mean, you were styling if you had one of those. Aquaman, the plastic mask cutting into your eyes, and then you get that little hole in the mouth to breathe through all night long. What's your favorite Halloween candy? What's your favorite candy, candy? Oh, that rhymes. Anything Reese's, Snickers bars. It's all the food groups. It's got a meal. Nuts, you've got caramel. Yes. Candy corn. I love Me too. Corn. Wait, really? I'm one of the small percent of people who actually really enjoys candy corn. It gets a bad rap. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. Happy Halloween. Halloween. Happy Halloween from the Cumulus Podcast Network. Make sure to subscribe and follow us at youtube.com slash Cumulus Podcast. Candy corn is terrible. It's atrocious. It shouldn't be allowed. It's not a candy. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.